So just a little bit about, um, about me. My name is Gavin. I was born and bred in South Africa in a city called Port Elizabeth. And um, I've then met my wife, Karen. She's, she'll do a couple of sessions over the course of the week as well. And uh, she's, uh, she's Canadian, but she can tell her story. And we have three boys. We've been married for 24 years. Three boys, 21, 18, and 16. And two of them are quite involved in, in, in worship. Um, they always joke with me because I said I've retired from the worship team and just let them do it. The younger ones can do it. And um, currently been in the vineyard for about 18 years. And I oversee our region in in, in South Africa, and I'm also on the national team, and then involved oversee missions to we partnership with Malawi um, in that country, and then also in Ghana in the, the West Africa, and then we also involved in different countries throughout Africa. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, I'd love to get to know all of you. Um, hopefully over the course of the week I'll get to know some of you, which will be fantastic. Thank you. So... I would like to talk about healthy, a healthy church. What, is, what does it mean? What are, and I'd like to just share some of my experiences. I'm sure you guys uh, probably know a lot more than I do. I'll just share some of the things that have worked for us back in South Africa and things we've seen throughout Africa. And just four basic things that I believe um, that if we, we can do them, if every church does them, they will be healthy. And the focus for us is more on a healthy church than a growing church. Because if you are healthy, you grow. If you think about your children, if they are small and you feed them well and they are healthy, they tend to, to grow. And when we're not healthy, we tend to not grow. And then we begin to focus on all sorts of other little things here and there, which tends to, to end up causing more problems as we go along. So back home, we well, we say for every Christian, for everyone who comes into, we had a church called Fountain Vineyard. There are three basic um, needs, and the first one is to be, the second one is to belong, and the third one is to do. So it's important for us that you you come and you just be, you be with one another, you be with God, you get your identity in who God is, and 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 God in you, and. Outflow of that is that you belong to his community. For us, community is vitally important, and it's in community where we can, where we le- really learn to begin to discover each other. And what we say, we talk about mask-free living, where we can be authentic and real. Because the problem in much society, I know back home, um, is that people walk around with a certain mask at church, and another mask at work, and another mask at, at in their families, and eventually what is real and what we, what we um, show people to be real becomes so far apart that ends up causing issues and, and stress and all sorts of different circumstances, and I'm sure Karen will talk about some of that in her session tomorrow. There's a passage in, in um, Acts chapter 11 that I want to just focus on this morning. And take those four points that I want to talk about out of there. And um, it's actually the church in Antioch. And um, I'll I'll just read it and then we can just take some points from there. 
So now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Paul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted what a severe famine would, reach, would spread over the entire Roman world. And this happened during the time of the reign of Claudius. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gifts to the elders through Barnabas and Saul. So if we read that passage, um, there are four things that I want to pick out of that. And um, I think the, the first thing, I think, for, for any church to be healthy and will eventually lead to growth is that a church needs to be gospel-centered. And when I talk about gospel-centered, I'm talking about Christ-centered. We need to understand that the most important thing for us as church as we gather needs to be gospel-focused and pointing towards Jesus. And if we do that, um, I know for, I'm, I'm not sure about yeah, in, 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 in the countries around here, but there was a real drive back home and throughout America where they used to call seeker-friendly churches. I don't know if you guys have heard that, where the focus used to be on, well, just get everyone here, make them comfortable, and they'll stay, and eventually over time they would, they would um, hopefully become Christians. So the services are quick, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, don't want to offend anyone, don't want to really have prophetic ministry, don't want to have ministry time, not too long worship, don't speak too much truth because, you know, you don't want to offend people. And look, I'm sure this has its place, and I'm sure there, there are many churches that have grown tremendously out of that. But if you really want church that is healthy and sustainable, we need to be Jesus-focused and Christ-focused. And there's certain things about this that I want to um, highlight. And the first one is it's the character of Jesus that we need to proclaim. It's the character of God of what he, um, if I look at these um, Paul and, and, and Barnabas particularly and the disciples as they, they planted new churches throughout um, that time period after, the, the, after Pentecost. Their focus was on Jesus, about the character of Jesus, about the life of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus. Obviously his, his death, burial and, 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 and um, resurrection were, were vital as part of this. you know. And for us as believers, we, we can't just focus on the death like many people do, we just focus on, on, on the cross, very important. But we also can't just focus on um, the resurrection. We need to focus on the life of Jesus too, because it's in his life that he modeled 
for us. And he modeled for these disciples how to live, how to walk in the power of the Spirit, how to, how to um, really um, live in the kingdom of God, which we as Vineyard um, know so well and, and, and practice so much. We need to be able to walk in the kingdom and understand that the kingdom goes wherever we go. As Christ leads us, his kingdom is before us. And it doesn't matter where we are. We are people of the kingdom and people of his presence. So that's one of the characteristics that, um, that, um, that we need to focus on. The other thing is that, that, that Christ remains the center of everything we do. Christ is the center. So the reason we gather in our, our, our small communities, the reason we gather in the big communities um, and, and church gatherings, it's about Christ. So we come together and we worship. We need to make sure that, 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 that worship is, is crucial for us as believers. That when we get together in the big celebrations or in the small celebrations, um, the focus is on Jesus. So we give him all the glory. And then it's just out of his goodness, he tends to just come and, and, and meet us. And he blesses us because that's just who he is. Again, it's, it's his character. So as we create space for us to worship him and, um, and allow him to, to, to have his way in, in those meetings, and that leads to the third little part of, of being gospel focused because as we worship, as we, as we encounter God, as we, we, we allow his presence to come and fill our hearts and, and the ministry and the places that we gather, um, we need to understand that we preach a gospel that is life-changing. The hope of glory in us. So, you know, Christ in us is the hope of glory. So as we preach, as we create space in our community, in our church, to be Christ-centered, we need to know that it's, 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 it's the power of God that begins to change the lives of people around us. So we don't have to be seeker-friendly. We just need to invite people in to encounter the living God. It's not our program. It's not our fancy um, words. It's not our fancy stage or anything like that. We in the vineyard have always said, let's just keep it simple. Our worship needs to be accessible and simple that people can just come and encounter God. You know, uh, we don't need to, um, my wife's very light sensitive. So even the screen bogs her, but we were just at, a, at Awaken um, in, in Rotterdam. And um, man, they got lights for Africa on the stage, you know, and it's a, a, it looks amazing and I don't have a problem with it. It's lights everywhere. But for her, these bright lights or whatever, she's eventually just sitting there and she has to go and hide so, or turn away. And I'm going, well, do we really want, not that there's anything wrong with it, but we need to try to keep it as simple as we can. We can have as many instruments and whatever, but let's keep it as simple as we can that Christ is accessible to everyone. That's very, very important for us as a healthy church. So the first point then is healthy churches need to be gospel-centered and Christ-centered. The second one is that as a healthy church, we realize that Paul and Barnabas, as they were walking around and as they were encountering the church in Antioch, they saw the grace of God on the lives of the people. So what does that mean? What does it look like? You know, are we people and, and, and leaders and, and connect group leaders? I'm not sure what you guys call, but just Christians that have been around a long time. Do we recognize the grace on each other's lives as Christians? As Christ is in us, there's certain aspects. And I love what Ted said last night and the prayer, because that was one of my, um, the passage in Galatians. 
And Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And for us as Christians, I know in many churches you hear a lot preached about the gifts. And who can speak in tongues, who's got the gift of prophecy, who's got the gift of healing. And there's such a big focus of that in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches. And it's important, obviously, you know, God's given us all a toolbox and and those gifts for us to use for His glory. But we talk very little about the fruit of the Spirit, because that's the character of God. You know, and that's what we need to be looking and seeing in each in each other's lives. Um, I always joke. I'm saying I, when I was younger, there was a stage in my life where I prayed for patience. And I've subsequently learned God doesn't just give you patience. He gives you opportunities to be patient. And those aren't always so pleasant. Um, we've got... Um, <laughs> Back home, there's this like a, a, when we call it, when we say a taxi, it's a it's like a minibus, and they drive around the city, and it doesn't matter what lane you're in, they want to get in front of you, and they're extremely challenging to your patience levels, and to your Christianity and your salvation at times. You know, um, very good for your prayer life. Um, <laughs> And that's the thing. You want to pray for patience? Know that you're going to have taxis coming past the turning right lane, because we drive on the other side of the road. They'll be wanting in a turning right lane, but they actually want to go left. So they'll just go into this lane to get around, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's quite quite scary. Um, you actually have to come and experience it some, sometime. Um, you probably can't really grasp what I'm saying, but it's very entertaining, very good for your patience. So if you want to see how Christians are doing, just watch them when they're driving um, back home. Because, well, you can definitely judge me by that. It's very, very difficult. So what grace are you seeing on the lives, on your life and those around you? Um, How are we living out this fruit of the Spirit? Are we seeing more and more of the character of God in our lives? Because that's what the early church began to see. As they received God, as they accepted Christ, as they began to walk the walk and live that life, we saw the grace on their lives. The second point um, in the grace part is their fellowship. You saw the grace on their fellowship. So how they related to one another, how they connected to one another. And for us at Fountain, we are extremely... um, like. we put a high emphasis and a, a great focus on our connect groups. And um, we try to get between 80 and 100% of people that can, can join groups straight away into that fellowship group. Because like I said earlier, it's in the small groups where we learn to practice to pray for one another. We learn to, learn to talk and share what God is doing in our lives on a daily basis. So we're not just listening to someone talk. We actually begin to talk about what's going on in our, in our own lives. We begin to share that grace that is on us. And we do in, in our small groups, as we learn that and we get confidence, we're able then to do that outside of church community and outside of church life. So begin to see that fruit in, um, in, in all our lives and the grace in that fellowship. Are small groups important? 
Yeah, as well. Do you guys put quite a bit of emphasis on it? Is it good? Any questions? Feel free to, if you've got a question, just put up your hand. You guys like very, very quiet. It's very good. You're not as raucous as, you know, feel free to shout. Just if you're not understanding something, just to feel free to ask. So the second point about healthy churches is recognize that grace on, on the lives of, of those around you. And it's sometimes very hard. I don't know if you, sometimes, you know, people come in and they, and, and they make an impression on our lives. And we tend to, to always see them like that. Um, I remember um, we joked, uh, a friend of ours was, well, he, he, he grew up with me. Um, and then his family went back to Scotland. And I hadn't seen him for, sure, three, four years. And he came across when I was, um, was um, going to go, just before my wife and I got, got married. Well, it was actually the time we got engaged in, and went to Canada. And he came across to visit. And I was so frustrated in that visit. He's a great guy and we love him. And he's actually now a pastor in, in one of the vineyards in, um, I think it's North Carolina. But in that time, I felt like he still saw me as the teenager when he left three, four years before that. You know, subsequently I'd been to the UK. I'd changed a lot. Um, I'd done quite a bit in those three, four years. And, and God had done a lot of work in my life. But I still often felt like he didn't recognize that grace that was on my life and what God had been doing in my life. He still saw me as the younger teenager that he knew four or five years ago. You know, so it's hard sometimes because we have an impression of what people are or who they are and, and what God's doing in their life. But um, sometimes we need to just keep our eyes open to actually recognize what God is doing. And we can see that and affirm it and call it out. As leaders, we need to be calling um, those, those gifts out and those um, celebration moments in people's lives that, it's, um, that we do celebrate them. You guys all right? The third thing about a healthy church is that it's a generous church. As, as, as churches and as people in the church, we need to create a culture of generosity. Um, one of the things I've loved since um, right, right at the beginning when we came into Fountain Vineyard, because I used to be a youth pastor in a Methodist church, and we came out and, and joined Fountain, um, one of the things that struck out to me every year over around September, which is our spring month, roughly, uh, Fountain used to have what they called a generosity month, where you just bring anything that you feel you haven't used in three, four, five months, six months, eight months, or whatever, or anything you feel that you're not going to use anymore and you don't need, you don't want. And they used to, well, we still do, and you just used to have tables in our auditorium and you just go and put it down on the table and at the end of the service over that month or whatever anytime you come you can just walk along the table have a look and if you see something that's that you you like or you need then you can just take it and then you you go home with it it's quite weird you know it's like shopping with no money you just walk oh that's cool and just just take it. But it almost feels really strange at first. Like you can, it's fine to put stuff down. But sometimes to actually receive or take something is weird. You know, and obviously, like we, we've, 
have got a quite a like high poverty rate. So sometimes it is a it's a thing. It's a it's a challenge for some people not to try to take everything, you know. Um, so there's that gift that 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 challenge as well, you know. But we create space for for people to you know their, their clothes and you name it. In fact, even cars have been given away, uh, where people just feel they can write on a board. Or the, and so a lot of the young people will say, "Oh, I need a car," you know. And then someone will feel, "Oh, yeah, that's a name. Yeah, I want to give my car to them." So it's quite amazing. And um, it's, it's become a culture um, in our church, which is, which is quite exciting and, and, and quite special and unique. And um, even for us to, to come now, like our church, in our budget, we had funds for, for one of our tickets so, and, and our expenses for while we were here. So the church covered half our budget. And then we just said to the church, listen, we've been invited to go. We're really keen to come and just see what what summer camp's all about and we've been invited to come do some sessions can anyone would anyone like to be a part of this and support it and one of our friends phoned us and said well how much are you going to cost and they said well there you go that's pretty much your flight covered you know it was quite amazing and other people came to us and said here we go and we had more than enough um because of the generosity of people people responding not just to the need, but just understanding what the, the, the grace of God that we receive. Um, just as we freely receive, we freely give. And we need to understand that we, we give and we receive in a church. It's a, it's a combination of both. And we can't just do the one without the other. It has to be both. And it's always giving and receiving and working like that. So it's understanding when God prompts us to give, we give. And um, the disciples and, and, and the early church began to understand that. Um, when that pro- God prophesied that there's going to be famine, all the churches around understood that. So they knew there was going to be a shortage in Judea. So they began to send food and send whatever they could so that the church in Judea would have enough. And there's always needs around our, our societies and our communities. And we need to be open to hearing the prompting of God. And as we listen to his prompting and we respond to that, God blesses, you know. And the amazing, um, I used to laugh at my mom. She's, she, she's also very generous. And she used to often say, you know, I'm going to outgive God. And the more she tried to outgive God, it was so funny. God just ended up blessing her more and more. And when she, she had to surrender, she said, okay, God, I can't outgive you, you know. And just continue to, to be generous, and um, that's what I grew up as, and in, in our church community, we see that often um, as well. And obviously, the other part, not that we want to talk on, on tithing and stuff, but they gave proportionate to what they had. And they saw needs, and God prompted, and they gave. It just, um, you know, it, it was something that was ingrained in the culture of, of, of the early church. And it's one of those foundations that we, if we want a healthy church, we need to be giving. And it's not just the finances. Finances is one part. But do we give of ourselves? Um, do we go and connect? We, um, we always joke, we have people that often beg at streets. And it's easy for us to say, well, yes, some money. And just put out a hand, give them some money and, and drive off. It's much harder to invest time and give time where you can go and park your car and come and speak to the people on the, that, that, that are begging and saying to them, well, you know, and just get to know their story, get to know, understand what's happened to them, 
um, and give of your time because time it's one of the things that we do control in our society and in our lives and we often want to be a lot more selfish with our time than our money it's much easier to say okay here we go yes a couple of um, you guys use krona don't you here's a couple of krona don't take too much of my time there you go god bless you and and drive off um where we need to give and be generous with our time be generous with who we are and who god has has made us and what god has given us um john wimber always used to say whatever god gives you give it away and it might be worship it might be that you're very gifted at at expounding scripture. It might be that you're just really um, generous in in inviting people into your home or making a good cup of coffee. Whatever it could be, um, whatever it is, give it away. Um, that would be my encouragement to you, as a as people of a church and a community. You know, so don't hold back, um, and then you'll be amazed at what God can do through you and in you and in your community as you you give what you have away um for us at at fountain um dave's always felt that you know we need to be a resource church for our our nation and in fact through africa and there's certain things that is geared in our program where we invite um in fact in fact a lot of swedish people and, well, people from the Nordics have actually come to Fountain and spent two, three months just um, either recuperating or just wanting to come and, and, and spend some time with us. Um, we we actually staying with some friends afterwards. I don't know if you guys know Sammy and Rebecca. Um, we're staying with them afterwards. Greg and Christine were with us for about six months doing helping lead and transform some of our worship. That is something where you guys sent to us to give away some stuff with worship and now the seeds of that is that um matt and shonay who head up our worship in port elizabeth head up the worship in our nation you know and we've started releasing cds and and writing worship and writing songs and we're giving it away throughout our nation now so that's a a great example of where most of you probably don't even know that where you've sent seeds and planted seed and been generous in Greg and Christine coming and, and sowing seeds of worship in our church. It is now starting to bear fruit um, in another in other nations as we we go from there. You get in the picture? It's all right? Marvelous. And then the last point that I want to focus on um, this morning. And um, this is what I really get excited about. And it's a healthy church needs to be missional. And often when I say this to people, and I, oh, missional, that means I've got to go somewhere. Well, that's part of it. Um, there are many aspects. Missional means it's a mindset or a, a culture that, 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 that we create in the church. And um, if I look at, um, at this passage, you know, there were... There, there, there were people that were just going to those um, to Cyprus and and, and Antioch and, and and they were just going and sharing the gospel with the Jews, and then all of a sudden some Greeks saw this and they went and joined, and they began to reach the Greeks, basically the Gentiles, and from there the church really began to explode because it wasn't just Jews now. Now it was. Was, was different tongues and different people and different nations. And that's what's happened throughout Christianity as we've gone. 
you know and for us in a church if if we understand missional we need to understand that every single one of us are called to be to be missional not everyone is called to be a pastor of a church not everyone is called to to, to necessarily work at the church um i'll talk about that just now but each of us are called into the great commission each of us are called to understand that wherever we go we carry the kingdom of God with us and we're trusting for the kingdom to break through in people's lives. So for me, I can't get to where you guys are at work. It's impossible because I don't, I don't know where you work. Um, I've probably never been to a lot of your the, like cities and towns that you come from and some of them I might never go to. So how am I going to reach those places? But you are in your office. You are in your families. You are connected to different people in different spheres. So therefore, you know, God wants to empower each one of us to do that. One boy said, everyone gets to play. You know, um, we need to understand that as a church. And when I say church, I'm talking about community connected together through, again, being Christ-centered. Where as a community, as a church, we understand that whatever we learn in our, in our gatherings, whatever we learn in our connect groups, we take that and we give it away in our workplaces we give it away in our families we take that and we understand mission like that the first point is i am a missionary in the places i have i have something to give to the people around me i can pray i can speak i can you know what i can just show the love of god i can show that fruit of the spirit where i'm at and people begin to see that and people begin to ask questions one of my favorite or like stories i tell often when i when i use this is in our shopping centers, well, often when I go do a bit of the grocery shopping, and we'll stand in the grocery line, and while I'm standing with my basket or trolley of, of stuff, and you start paying, and then you just hear that voice of God, and you know someone's standing behind you, and God says, pay for their, for their, their whatever they've got, if they've got a loaf of bread or milk or whatever, I don't know, whatever it is. Pay for that person's stuff. I've I've got used to that, like almost like tap on the shoulder now, and you wait for the voice. You know, um, kept, my wife laughs at me all the time. So eventually, I'll get all my stuff out the trolley, and then the person will come up, especially before COVID, when you don't have to worry about social distancing so much. And you would see, I'll say, okay, pass. And they always, they often, this is often the response I get, is that people look at you funny, like, what are you doing? You know, and then I'll say, don't worry, I just feel like. God wants me to pay for your stuff. You know, he wants to show you how much he loves you. And we'll ring up this stuff. And while I'm standing, the person will walk behind me. And like, I can feel him or their eyes like staring at the back of my head. Like, what is this weird guy doing? And then they'll grab their stuff. And while walking away, they're still looking back. But then I, this often, the most amazing encounter happens with a teller. Because they'll begin to say, why are you doing that? And then you, you can begin to share the gospel. And you begin to share, you know what, it's actually because of the love of God in my life. And God just put it on my heart. He wants to show his love to that person. So therefore, a way that we can do it is I can be his hands and feet and I can buy that for that person. And hopefully they get a blessing for the day. And you begin to encounter and you begin to share Jesus with a teller. And then the next time you come to the shop, it's amazing, all those tellers know about that story 
and they know what you've done. And it's not like you do it for your, like, oh, look what I've done. No. But they begin, and then they begin to ask, what church are you at? You know, are you, so are you a pastor? What do you do? And more and more discussions begin to happen. And you know what? Jesus is getting glorified. And the gospel is being shared, not by major amounts of words or effort or even a major amount of money. Sometimes it's like a couple of bucks, you know, but people's lives are being changed through our actions. And that's what Jesus wants. He wants us to show people the love and be missional by what we do and then by, by what we say afterwards as well. So the first one was understanding that all of us, are actually selected. We all connected to this, to this, to being missional. And then, obviously, the second part of that passage is when Saul and Barnabas were recognized. The disciples sent them there, and then they saw what God was doing, and they stayed there. They were selected. You know, and a healthy church needs to constantly be looking for the ones that God is on to call, to raise up, to uh, that, that are called to be leaders and missionaries and and people that are set aside and selected to do this. You know, we constantly have to be looking to see who's God on. Who does God want us to send somewhere else? Who does God want to, to raise up in our communities um, that he is calling to do what we do? You know, it's, I, I consider it a great privilege that we get to, to travel. You know, I've seen pretty much... I think I've been to all the Southern African countries, quite a bit in Central and, and Western Afri Africa. And it's all because of the privilege of sharing the gospel and in the, the position that I've been in. Some people look at me and they think, you're crazy, you know. Um, funny story, last year, September, last year, September. So <laughs> we, um, we had a conference in... Ivory Coast, and then I was going on to Ghana, spending a week um, doing some leadership with some of the, the pastors there. And uh, my wife gave me one instruction before I left. And she said, don't you dare get COVID. You know what happened, didn't you? So we were in Ivory Coast for a few days, and then we had to get tested um, before we flew out. So I got tested, and I'm, Colleen and Dave were with me. And Colleen just leant over and she said, Gavin, there are a lot of sick people here. I'm like, yeah, I know. And obviously, they obviously didn't spray whatever. And I must have sat on one of the chairs or something where there was a sick person. And I still felt fine. Got on the plane the next day, flew to Ghana. It's quite a short flight. Went through, I think, two or a test. So I passed that test, passed the test. As you enter Ghana, you do a test straight away. You're not allowed to leave the airport before you have another test. No problem. I did five days of, of teachings. Um, I was a bit tired. I have sinus problems at most the best of times. So I felt, oh, I'm a sinus I'm a bit tired, but it's okay. You know, in and out of aircon, it's very hot outside. The usual story. Day before I leave, I um, had to have another test. Sorry to inform you, you are positive. And I had to spend an extra 10 days in in Ghana. So that was quite fun why am i actually telling you that story i don't really know but um it's one of those those things you know it's a, it's a privilege i just did what dave often does you forget actually why you rambling and telling stories um it, it, it is so but, it, but it, the privilege is that that we get to do this stuff 
And um, that's the amazing part. So look for people who have that calling, who have that passion. And bless them, anoint them, and, and, and send them out. You know, it's, it's, it's a great privilege. Um, and as churches, we need to be sending people and, and sharing what God has given us. Which is very important. So, yeah, look for those missionaries. And if you ever get an opportunity to go on a mission, go for it. Wherever it is in the world, even if it's in your next city, in your next town, whatever it is, if you get an opportunity to just to go on a mission to, um, I don't know, even if it's downtown in your streets or whatever, take that opportunity. I know sometimes it's, um, it's intimidating. Um, I know cultures are different. Um, Africa is extremely open. The guys, are, you can go and pray for anyone. They don't mind. They'll, you um, you know, but back home, it's sometimes a bit tougher for us because some of the, like, South Africa is quite interesting. It's like a mix of, of Western, Western world and Africa. So, um, but we, we go into Africa and, and we see the most amazing things. People are so open. We see these incredible miracles. Um, in Malawi, this last time, we saw blind people in front of us. We were praying and their eyes were completely open. But they are so open to what God wants to do. And if we don't go, we don't experience it. And our faith isn't um, encouraged often because we'll often sit in our normal churches and we'll be, we, we believe it, you know, but often we believe it. But in the back of our mind, there's always that doubt. You know, does God still do that today? But you're going to an African context and I'm sure South America and different other and Asian parts are exactly the same where people are so hungry for God. And we are blessed by going so often. Um, so I'd encourage you to, wherever you can, um, go. If you want to come on one of our trips, feel free. Just give us a call and say, listen, we want to come and join you guys. You know, we've got partnerships in Malawi. We've got guys from Belgium, Holland, and the UK that have joined our partnership. Um, and there, there's just these partnerships that happen with the Vineyard family together Um begin to to reach out and there's such a richness in that because we all come from different shape uh, different well we are different shapes but different backgrounds and different um, situations and we all just bring who we are and what God's doing in our nations and there's there's often just that 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 that, that, that common trend that of just there's that we family and we do these things because we love Jesus and we love the people that he loves and um, it's amazing. It really is amazing. It's a privilege. So come and join us. So we would love to, to have you with us. So a healthy church is missional. Rick Warren, um, I'm sure you know Rick. He's a pastor in a large church in the, in the States. And he says um, that the key issue for churches in the 21st century will be church health. Not growth. Because when a congregation is healthy, it will grow. Wimba always said that too, you know, healthy churches grow. Um, so I would like to encourage you as, as people of the vineyard and churches of the vineyard, let's constantly be looking and evaluating and checking ourselves, um, not taking things for granted. Um, I think that's one thing, spending four days in, in Holland just watching um, Watching, watching the people there and just seeing their hunger restored and, and or, or hunger coming back to see God break through in Europe. Um, 
And I think one of the challenges God said to me in that was just don't get complacent. Keep being hungry for God because it's so easy to lose that hunger. And when we lose the hunger for God, um, we tend just to become, we, we, we sink from relationship into religion. And religion is actually death. It is dead, you know, and, and we want to keep that relationship with Jesus alive. Um, and keep that relationship focus with Jesus, that, that, that first point, that we, we stay gospel-centered, um, we stay Christ-centered. And if we keep that in focus, everything else will naturally take place. So if we are being with Him and we're connecting with Him, our belonging with one another will lead into doing. It's, we don't have to strive to do anything um, because His grace is on us and it's sufficient. So... Those are four things that I had to share with you. Um, I don't know if you found it helpful or you probably said, yeah, okay, we've been doing that yeah, for a long time, you know, so it's old news. But it is old news, but it's good news, and um, we need to keep doing that, you know. Um, any questions or comments or... Yes. No, not yet. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, I think. Yeah. People even they might not say no, but they looked at look at us skeptically as like, well, what, what? Yeah. What's the catch? You know. And and that's just. I think that's where you just say, look, there's no catch. You know. Jesus loves me. I just feel God wants to bless you and say he loves you through this act of kindness. Um, no catch. I don't even really, I don't even have to know your name. Um, but I would just like to bless you. Yeah. I guess it's just, it's always that communicating and, and trusting God's, if, if God is laying that person on your heart or you would just like to do it, you know. Um, you get, you do get used to it. Um, or you get used to the responses, I should say. Um, yeah. Yeah, I've had some people cry um, just because they can't believe it um, and don't know what to say, you know. Just when you don't want people to feel embarrassed, you know. Um, but it's sometimes people are just so overwhelmed by, by love, you know. So just try to explain it. Yeah, try to explain it is the best way you can um, and see what happens. Yeah, it's a good adventure, I must say. Yeah, I had an old lady in our church. She used to say, she used to always joke whenever I told, oh, this happened in the week, and I, she used to always say, you must please tell me when you're coming to the grocery store so I can be behind you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very sweet. Yeah. Any other questions? I don't even know how we're doing for Tom. <laughs>
Oh, reading her off. No questions. Questions about anything. I'll open it that way. Yes. How do you do that practically? Do you have tables that are up yeah. there for weeks? Or? Yeah, so we'll dedicate a month or three weeks. Yeah. And um, we've done it differently in different stages. Um, I think last year um, we had our first week and third week. We said just bring whatever you want to. And then in the second week we said we'll, we'll bring food. Um, so we've got a, a retrade center where we help um, guys that are pretty much street dwellers. Um, instead of giving handouts, um, one of the one of our elders has, um, over the last I think five six years, has begun this what they call the uh, um, retrade, which is a recycling warehouse, and guys will walk around the areas and where they come and they will collect recyclable material and then they will bring it to the to the church and take it there and they get coupons um and with those coupons they can get food or clothes and different things so they've got like almost like a shock type thing so instead of them just coming and getting handouts we're trying to well it's twofold obviously we're cleaning up the environment um, but it also gives them a sense of a little bit of dignity that they're not just coming for um, a, a handout, but they're actually collecting and doing stuff. Um, it's also part of our mission um, in the city. So, and then while they're there collecting, there are people around them that will be praying, offering to pray with them, speak to them, and um, connect with them in that in that way. Um, so then, all that food stuff will then go to retrade. Um, or just be available sometimes. I know with, with COVID, um, the initial lockdown that we had was for, it was meant to be three weeks, ended up about six, eight weeks where people couldn't do anything. Um, and we have a, a very high a number of Zimbabweans, Malawians, and those Zimbabweans, etc., that have come down because they can't find work or need work. And um, obviously they weren't allowed to go anywhere. Um, and they don't get government grants, South African government grants. So um, guys used um, food stuff and we used to create big parcels for for families. So it's just connecting stuff, like if it's a food for, for specific situations like that or for retrade. And then other, yeah, so then other times, uh, man, you can get blenders, you can get anything people just realize i'm not using this and they just come to church on a sunday morning or on the day before or in the week even you know and they would just put it on the tables along and then we would just cover it up before the service and then after the service you just remove the class and say guys you know have a look and and see yeah yeah and it's really become a a thing we do every year so that's quite amazing hmm Sorry, how do we evaluate? Like, like in your team? Yeah. Uh, in your church team? Like, how do you like, sit down and evaluate like, the health of the, your church time? Okay, so our leadership team, um, every October, 
the first thing we evaluate, um, Dave's got like 70, he's taken the points from uh, from scripture, I think it's the one in Timothy, and so there's 17 points, the first thing we do as, as an eldership, each elder evaluates like on a scale of 1 to 10, um, how they're doing, so if they are on a 1 this year, Next year, hopefully, they've moved to a two or three. So every year, it's just checking, are we growing? Because obviously, none of us are perfect. Um, so we evaluate ourselves like that, and we eventually, and then we have a discussion every year. Do you still feel God's on you to to um, to lead? And there's an option for them to want to climb off leadership or stay on leadership. So um, so that's every year around October, and then we'll we'll pray, do a hand, laying on hands in. In November and then throughout um, we normally often do a what we call a stock take um, the pastoral team and then we'll share it with the elders um, and then have some discussion about that we evaluate um, things that you can measure um, so connect groups how many connect groups we got how many new visitors how many people have come into membership um, we look at all sorts of whatever stats and stuff we can get and can measure we do that once a year um, normally around February because that's the start of our year and we're a little bit different to you guys um, so we'll talk about those aspects and those um, sort of areas and then we've got four pastors on our staff um, and we do quite a bit of stuff obviously in that and then we'll take it to the elders and the elders are free to talk and um, raise stuff at at every meeting we used to meet every um, every second week as an eldership but we pretty much cut back now to every third week fourth week just because life's so so busy you know um yeah that's how we evaluate what we can um but as 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 a pastoral staff we talk quite often about um these sort of areas and and particularly connect groups that's vital for us if we have the more people we have in our connect groups for us the healthier the church um will be so we try not to go below 80 percent where we can because um and even as people come into membership, um, we would like them to be in a group before they be they come into membership. Um, obviously, we're not legalistic about it, but we strongly encourage um, because people just tend to connect, and um, yeah, it just it, they catch the culture of the church quicker. And um, it's been quite a challenge for us the last through COVID because we tried to stay open whenever the government said we could open. And um, we sort of tweaked it when they said, no, you can only meet 50 people. Then we decided, okay, well, let's create four venues in the church where you could have 50 people. So you could still have, um, it's probably tweaking or twisting the Lord a little bit. But you know what? For us, uh, connecting and gathering was so important that we were prepared to prepared to risk that you know so as we have stayed open many churches have closed were closed and stayed closed for a long time so there we we've had a whole lot of people that hadn't been to church for years realizing online oh these guys are open and then started coming because people i think what covid has highlighted is the need for connection and the need for community um isolation um i don't know about yeah but it has really wrecked many homes um, back in South Africa and marriages and stuff like that. So um, people have drawn to places that are have kept connecting. Yeah. Does that help? Cool. 
Any others? Don't be shy. Yeah, so um, what we tend to do, one of the things just from the, from the front, um, like, from, like we create um, preaching series. So often a lot of these things we will focus on. Um, actually, right the minute I preached, I think it was two weeks ago or three weeks ago, on the power of fellowship and the need for fellowship. Um, so then that we have got three weeks focus on, on fellowship. Then there's um, other months, and normally like Generosity Month, we'll talk about the importance of, of, of being a generous church. Um, one of the, just at the beginning, I think it was the first quarter for us in the year, we did in our connect groups itself, um, there was a, there's a teaching by a guy named Robert Morris. He talks about the blessed life and he looks at the heart of, of, of having a blessed life. And obviously a lot of it is about giving, um, but he talks about more about generosity and the heart of, 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 of being generous. So it's a six-week thing um, that we had on our. So we created like the links on YouTube, or they were already there, but then we were able to send it to the whole church, and all the connect groups focused on generosity for that for that little while. Um, missions. We've got different guys that that are involved in different areas of mission throughout the city, and there's some guys that are really passionate about that. Um, Dave and I are forever traveling all over, and we invite people to to come with um a couple of years ago i think it was 2017 and we took i think it was about 30 35 people uh, on a driving trip from port elizabeth through to malawi zambia mozambique um so we try share opportunities um for us we, we we try not go alone we always try to take people with us like on any mission context and and that sort of thing then obviously they hear what we talk about often um yeah and then in small groups um themselves um you know s some groups do different activities um we try i always say to you guys work on like a three four week cycle um or three four program cycle where you can do your teaching do your normal group thing find ways that you can connect with other groups find ways that you can do um some sort of outreach thing as your group um, whatever that can look like, you know. So change it around that you're not just doing the same thing all the time. Boredom is a horrible thing for, for Christians. When we're bored, we end up just to get lazy and then we end up doing nothing. Um, and I'm not saying don't rest. We need rest. Uh, vitally important. We can't, we can't fulfill all that we need to fulfill if we're always exhausted and whatever. But let's not be be bored you know go out and do things and um, i always say do what do the things jesus never healed this, uh, any miracle he never did the same thing twice you know so we don't have to do the same thing all the time you know it's not necessarily what jesus modeled so allow allow your leaders and allow people to do spontaneous spontaneous things um that there's freedom in that you know allow them to lead the way they um they do that we don't 
prescribed. Like every now and again, we'll do something over so many weeks with all the groups. And we normally do that once, maybe twice a year max. But allow the leaders to use their creativity and their gifts in that. Um, and then what we do, like if, like in this sort of context, like we'll we'll preach on 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 healthy church, and we'll we know these underlying things that we want to do. Um, so you just sew them into your connect through your connect groups. We have a combined connect group, um, pretty much two three times a year, and then there's certain times that we want to focus stuff. In we'll use that sort of um, platform just to remind people, um, and then through the pulpit, um, what like a preaching series. Yeah, does that help? Hmm. Any others? Marvelous. Hope you enjoy that. Can I pray with you? Would you like to stand together? We've been sitting for an hour and a bit. <clears throat> so, Father, I thank you for this incredible group of people. I thank you for these nations in the, the Nordics. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing um, in and through them. And, Lord, I pray that you would... Um, continue to just pour out your spirit upon them lord that you would bless what they're doing um, and you would continue to to challenge them for reaching more of what you have for them lord and that they would look for you hunger for you and continue just to to see what you are doing around them lord and join you in the incredible journey of of seeing your kingdom come and be fulfilled in the nations around you, Lord. So bless them, God. Um, I pray that you will lead them to to go, not only to the nations around them, but throughout the world, and that they would be a blessing and be able to give away what you are doing in and through them. So bless them, bless them, Jesus, we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Have a great, great camp.